Hello folks, welcome to the Boiler Room. This is Burning for Springwood, uh, Freddy's Nightmares Retrospective. With me tonight is one Mike Merriman. How you doing, sir? I am ready to discuss two more episodes of Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah, yeah, me too. These are actually decent ones, so we're going to get into that real soon. And yeah. Suzanne, yeah, Suzanne's here too. Yay! How you doing? I survived the weekend. Yes, indeed. Awesome. You sounded I'm surprised. Impressed. I am actually quite surprised I did survive. (laughs) Well, I've had my turn of crawling home, too, and I'd imagine that it was uh, somewhere along the lines that I'd be at a place to sober up, though, a little bit. Uh, We got there, and it was, you know, temperature-wise, it wasn't that bad. It's like, oh, yeah, we found some place to go have lunch. It's it's about a maybe seven to ten minute walk, and we go downstairs, and it is pouring. So we pretty much lifted and Ubered everywhere because, well, the weather did not agree with us this weekend. But I had the greatest beer I think I've ever had in my entire life. Nice. At the bar we went and had lunch at, and it was a peanut butter stout by Wet Nose. Mm. And it tasted like a Reese's cup. I don't like mixing genres like that, like the chocolate martinis and shit like that. I could, I can't do it. Oh, I mix my genres up all the time. You know that, Gary. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. That's weird. It's weird to me. Oh, yeah, but tonight we uh, we got two gems to talk about. One has an actual gem in it, which is truly, truly, truly outrageous every time. And we'll get to that right now in the first episode called Killer Instinct, which is directed by Mick Garris and premiered on October 22nd, 1988. Uh, cheapo plot synopsis is awful, so I'm going to read it anyway. (laughs) A runner accidentally kills her rival by using a magical charm she stole from her that lets whatever she is imagining happen. This stars Lori Petty, and a very young, very young Lori Petty in this movie, uh, pre, pre point break. And Mike had a comment that's kind of funny that I'm sure if we'll get into like a what if kind of thing, but, uh, (laughs) I'll start with Mike and ask him, uh, what do you think of this episode, sir? Um, I think this episode is actually decent. Uh, directed by Mick Garris, as you said, starring Laurie Petty. Uh, I, I do think that, that it kind of uh, peters out a little bit once Laurie Petty's character exits. Because I thought like the whole rivalry thing between them was played up pretty well um, between the two runners, that is. And I almost kind of wish that Laurie Petty his character, like her dying would have been like, kind of like the end like that. And then the episode would have been over, but then they carry on with the other runners kind of like family, a lot of stuff. I, I saw the, ma- the magical charm that Lori Petty, I think it's the coach that gives it to her and it starts being supernatural and shit happened. I was like, what's in that charm? Some Tannis root or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this episode almost, uh, Made me think of uh, if you guys ever watched the Friday the 13th series, um, because that one, like every episode was like about some magical antique or charm that had supernatural powers. And, you know, they would spend the episode trying to hunt it down and bring it back to the 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 owner's shop for safekeeping. So the fact that this one's centered around a, a necklace charm that gave her powers and then I'm giving them both kind of powers. Uh, it really made me think of that series more than this, except for the fact that Freddie was in here. So, but overall, but you know, before getting into too many details, I, I liked the episode pretty well. 
it it does play like a rejected Friday the Thirteenth script. Uh huh. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I could totally see like this episode. Like you could write in like the characters from the Friday the Thirteenth series, and they're like going to the track meet, and they're like, "Look at that, she's wearing it. We got to get it." Yeah. Uh, Sue, what do you think? Okay, there are two episodes that I've probably watched when it was actually running. Maybe eight or nine episodes. And there are two episodes that were on all the time. I've probably seen this episode way too many times. And honestly, I saw it so many times. I really disliked it because it was the only thing that they happened to show. But I decided to try to clear my head a little bit. And I actually kind of, this is one of the better ones that they ever did. Not, maybe not ever did, but it, looking at it now, it's like, I agree with Mike because most of these things play out in two acts. You know, you have the whole thing and then Lori Petty dies. And then you have this continuing revenge story. And this is one of the few, you know, continuations that actually works yeah i agree for sure and you know it's like i i really i the rivalry was great and even the the revenge story wasn't that bad because there was at least it it wasn't quite a seamless Mm -hmm. entry into act two but i mean it it played well it wasn't just Oh my god, dude's dead, your girlfriend's in the hospital getting mind fucked, you know? <laughs> that one made no sense. That is still like I think one of the worst ones that they ever made. Did you just say this, that this is one of the episodes you watched when the show was first running? Cuz yeah. if if so that's a great pun for this episode. Yes. She said running, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did not even realize I did that. <laughs> Uh, and but this one, I have to admit, and I'm not. I, I, for me, Mick Garris is okay. He's done some good stuff. He's done some not so good stuff. So it's really not about the direction or the writing. This one actually just kind of plays well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mick Garris. Is, I went in hating it. I was gonna say Mick Garris is one of those guys where, like, when you hear him talk about horror, he definitely comes off as like a cool dude a big fan of the genre but as far as what he's actually been involved in over the years it's all it's a very mixed bag like he, he's been associated with some good stuff and then some absolute garbage so when i saw his name on here i was definitely interested but i i was like in the back of my head i was like well it doesn't guarantee it's gonna be good because he's been involved in plenty of bad stuff but the, the episode itself i thought was it was a pretty solid episode Oh man, is it my turn? I'm sorry, go ahead. I had to go into this one really hating it because I had seen it so many times, and every time I turned on Freddy's Nightmares and I saw Killer Instinct, I'm surprised I didn't sprain an eyeball rolling my eyes. What's the damn? What's the what's the movie about the runners with Mariel Hemingway? <laughs> uh, know, uh, personal not, best. Personal best. This is like a personal best with Freddy <laughs> and some supernatural <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Oh man! But no sprained knees, only broken necks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I love that speech. Like, like she's been doing this for a long time. When she's like yelling at her parents, the the, the rival girl was yelling at her parents. 
Yeah, and I like how like how, how, how many blue knees and how many whatever whatever. It's like girl, if you blew that many knees, you would not be running at all. That's just and, it's, it, and it's funny like that when the coach is like, "Sorry, you're off the team." I'm like, "What team?" It's like there's only two people running. Exactly. <laughs> like, what team is? Where's the team that you're talking about? We we have a track team at at a high school. It's a pretty big squad. Now, if you're competing for like a spot in like a relay team or something. Or you know, it's it's something like that. You seem like really hokey. Like, well, you don't have that that edge. You, you're you're off the team. You just don't want it enough. She just don't said want it is so very deadpan. <laughs> oh my god. She's like she's like I'm sorry your mom died, but can you pick up the pace a little? <laughs> yeah, mom, the coach was kind of mean. The coach. I know it was. Mean. She there was no inflection in anything she did. The coach was fucking terrible. Well, Did this woman ever act before? She's like, man, you. <laughs> she's like, you suck. You're off the team. Well, okay. Since you really want it, here's this magic charm that'll make you run flat fast. <laughs> <laughs> it was your mother's lucky charm, you know. And she she let a story out in there, so she made. You must have been a a Canadian actress. So I'm not sure if that you know means anything, but um, yeah. Me this episode, I I uh I dug quite a bit because Mike, where you said like. Where after Lori Perry dies, when she dies to a hilarious death in this this episode, the whole thing is that she's running. <laughs> yeah, whatever she, whatever, yeah, whenever she runs, and she has, I guess, the crystal or whatever, they do like this fast, you know, like she's running very fast camera movements, you know, very <laughs> clouded, you know, like she's like the Flash or like a Sonic the Hedgehog or something like that running. This is like this is like when you can't afford to do bullet time. It's this. I don't know what it's called, but this is. This is it. Yes. Well, at least they didn't try to make it look really fake, like, you know, the... Like they just fast-forward the, the camera. The $6 million woman or the bionic woman. I, $6 million man, bionic woman. Bionic woman, yes. Right. But the whole that thing is... Been, I'm sorry, this must be your nightmare. Gonna, I'm going, Michael. <laughs> I was going to say, it was gonna be, it'd be great if, yeah, they just started playing the Sonic the Hedgehog music as she's like, speeds up. <laughs> <laughs> Or the the end um, when you're running out of time in Super Mario Brothers, that music. Or when you're speeds up, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea is of her, you know, supposedly she she's running for the finish line, and she literally gets decapitated by this this finish line in her dream. Is 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 strange because why would you be sleeping if you're running? Unless you're dreaming that you're running, you're sleeping somewhere else. It really doesn't do a very good job explaining why she's having this nightmare at that current moment. But um, th- when it happens, though, I-, I-, I can't stop laughing because the stunt person used in this scene, and I don't know why they would need a stunt person for this, because the person's hunched down so bad it's not even funny. She goes from little string bean, you know, she's got some nice uh, tatas at this point, Lori Petty, to like a linebacker in like 2.5 seconds. <laughs> who's, wa- who's walking with his, with his head down like... With so, so, so the, the the illusion that he lost his head or she lost her head, and just like do it till they fall down. But with the aftermath, is it makes you laugh even harder because she's got like her neck like way back. Like yeah, this is uncomfortable. Somebody say cut. Somebody say cut. You know. Yeah. Uh, no, and we we skipped over like the the pervert cafeteria cook or whatever he was. I love the, I love the magical powers. How did he still have that job if he's like hitting on high school girls? 
And not even, really? like, hitting on him, like, just I mean, harassing. Like, yeah. <laughs> what does he say? Something about doing a squat thrust and, and uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, something about basically, you know, uh, going into his junk. I forget the, the reference he used, but it was, like, some really shitty locker locker room talk uh, humor there. He was... Yeah, the boy... The, the young girl. The well, boyfriend said something question. like, what do you want? And the, the cook guy was like, oh, I know what she wants. <laughs> she wants some head cheese. <laughs> like he wants you know, some, some, some cum out of his head there, the little head, you know. And I, I, love, I love how the entire time, like every time we get a shot of him slicing the meat, they like do it close enough shot with his fingers so like you know what's going to happen. So they're like, we're just going to prepare you with like three or four shots of him slicing the meat with his fingers close to the blade, so you'll be prepared. But, okay, here's the thing. Um, I actually worked at a grocery store, and there's no way you can cut your fucking hand off on a fucking meat slicer. Yeah, but at a grocery store, you have head cheese on hand. This isn't like a place you would have head cheese in, in, in a... It's a very, very niche thing, head cheese. I know how yeah. it's made, so I'm not going to fucking eat it. No, I, I think that was just a metaphor. Yeah. But he happened to have it. I know what it looks like. He happened I to I know what it looks like too. I, I just I don't think it was actual head cheese. I think it was a metaphor. I doubt they would even have an industrial strength uh meat slicer at a high school cafeteria. But, but what I'm saying is he was <laughs> actually slicing head cheese on the slicer. So they had this on hand at a cafeteria. For oh these children God. to consume. I think we're reading way too much into this particular scene. Oh, I man. think she. I think she's saying it, it wasn't really head cheese. He just called it that, like as a euphemism for something. Yes. For his head cheese, the, the little head that is. Yeah. That's what I think. Yep. <laughs> yep. Instead, he got. I meant euphemism, not metaphor. My apologies. Please don't. <laughs> please don't yell at me. No, but what happens after that is basically she's dead. But she 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 pulls the I'm dead so I'm about, my ghost is gonna come back and and yo know, go she 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 gets fucked Ghostbuster style she she starts grinding on him. Uh, oh, yeah, but, but, but then it's like dead Lori Petty instead of you know pretty Lori Petty to you know have that final fuck with her boyfriend because it, it keeps she's... flashing to her normal then it flashes to her dead normal dead normal dead. So it's like so... sexually transmitted. Uh, revenge sex, you know, it's like, yeah, get it done, you know. Sexually yeah. transmitted death. Yeah, and I'm sure she's uh, moist down there at that point, you know, because rigor mortis is, you know, probably not quite set in yet. Or... She's about to have some rigor coitus. Some rigor coitus. <laughs> That's good. That's good, Mike. That's good. Rigor coitus. But yeah, the, 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 the way the look on his face is like he's really into this undead sex. Like I, I would hope she comes back to give him some more, so he can get to get some more mediocre revenge on her. Which but, in the okay, end is, is really nothing. If she was so hot for him, why? You know, the other girl. Why didn't she look through the crystal and make him want her? Because she didn't know how it worked. That, that well, was the whole she thing. Lori, what he did, and it happened. Yeah, I, I think if she was as smart as she was portrayed to be, she would have been able to put two and two together and like. Oh well, I made Lori Petty die. Maybe if I look through here, I will make her boyfriend want me. There was no scene of like, like where they go, they go back and say, "Oh, I tripped her. This is why she fell." 
there was just that scene of her, again, the hilarious scene of her walking with her head decapitated and, you know, <laughs> that her neck was just broken. There was nothing to say but, like, talking exposition that this happened. And I know I'm reading way too far into this fucking 45-minute episode, but the stuff that happens with the ghost is just hilarious to me. And See, she was the mother of tears the entire time. See, that's, that's, this is a better movie, though, see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it did it in 45 Actually, minutes. It is. <laughs> it did it in 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so this this ends with basically the boyfriend going to get mediocre revenge by breaking into the rival's house and going to go take a trophy that should have been blonde to his his undead sex thing now, his uh his mistress, Lady uh Lady Death there. <laughs> and uh the girl inadvertently beating the guy over the face with the trophy and committing murder and I'd imagine She's going to go do jail time now as a teenager and to have some real fun with some rivalries in some prison. Yep, what a what a fate. What a fate but, but hey, maybe she won a track meet, so it's all worth it. Oh, yeah. She, pe- she peaked in high school, and that's fine sometimes. Yeah, she peaked, and then she's... Actually, her parents would probably get her into a mental institution and not prison. No. I wonder what the high, the rival high school of Springwood High is. I guess are they are, are they the Springwood Bulldogs because it looked like a bulldog on the girl's shirt yes. or sweater. Uh, let's see how many times that changes throughout the course of <laughs> yeah. the series. Lori Petty's bosoms told me that it was the Bulldogs. They just kind of sticking out really well. <laughs> They're really bending around the B and the D's there. Uh, <laughs> oh Anything else that you'd like to say about the episode, Mike? Uh, I mean. I think they, I mean, they did do the nice switch because I assume like Lori Petty would be the main character all the way to the end. And then when she gets taken out and it kind of switches to the other girl, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but, you know, overall, I thought it was an entertaining episode. Uh, I, I don't have many complaints about it for what it is. Cool. Uh, Suzanne. I also, this, this show, I think we discussed it last episode and we're probably going to discuss it. Every time we do the show, a nice, clear, concise 22 minutes would have made this a better episode. I still think it's probably one of the more well put together episodes, even though I, you know, in the first few years the show aired, this was like one of the episodes that I ended up turning on all the time. So I started hating it and yeah, I had to go in with a clear head watching it this time. And I do think it is a, one of the more well-put-together episodes. It's definitely at the higher end of the Freddy's Nightmares. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 I'm, like, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I'm taking your word for it because I don't remember a lot of these episodes. I so I, I'll mark your words down now and see if they're true, like in about <laughs> 20 more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me though. I, I gotta disagree with you on this one, Suzanne. About the the, the show should have ended up twenty two minutes because I think that even though you know it's kind of campy and, and and fun with with the ghost, I think it plays real well that this uh, this rival of hers is is showing genuine guilt for what she's done, and the psychosis of that really fits well in the second part of this episode. Because it, no, this is like I said, this is one of the few because they always break down into two acts, mm-hmm. and this is one of the few 
that I think that the two acts mesh better. Yeah, I think it meshed pretty good, actually. You know, um, but I, I I dug it, and I, I think that uh, this for 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 once the the, the through line of the episode works in the first three that reviewed, and I uh, somebody asked Mike, does he um, what was that? Uh, oh, here we go. Do you fuck the prime time, bitch? Again, that means uh, you like it a lot. Keep it in the boiler. That means it's middle of the road, or flaming piss resurrection, which means yeah, get rid of that shit, man. Um, I'm going to say, fuck the primetime bitch. Uh, <laughs> and I guess when we're doing the ratings, I think I mentioned on the last episode, it's almost in the context of what we've seen so far. Because, mm-hmm. like, maybe by the time, you know, we get through, like, a whole season, you'll, you'll want to revise, like, your ratings on specific episodes because you'll see how... You're, the interesting thing to, to find out as we go through these is like what ends up being the ceiling and what ends up being the low point. We don't know that yet, or at least I don't remember the episodes well enough to know um, what, how good it, they can get and how bad they can get yet. But considering you know we're, we're, we're through three episodes, um, I'm going to say this is like one of the better ones I've seen so far. So that's why I'm giving it that rating. It's a, it's a fair assessment. Cause this is the, the first one that I think made the most effective use of his 45 minute runtime. Uh-huh. So that's, that's not entirely off Mike. So I, I wouldn't feel yeah. too bad about that one. Uh, Sue. Uh, no, I, I agree. This is a fuck the primetime bitch. It is one from my vague memory. One of the more well put together ones. And I mean, it's, it it's it's just it is a little bit, I guess, just more well put together. The you know act one and act two mesh well, and it's not like Mister No More Mister Nice Guy, where it's like you have one act and then it just goes off on this fucking tangent, and you're just like, okay, I really hate everybody now. <laughs> now this one actually works quite well, and I think I I think that may have a lot to do with Mick. Because I agree with Mike. I mean, it, it, Mick Garris is hit and miss. He really is. He's some good stuff, some truly horrendous stuff. I think at, at this point, he's only directed one thing, which would be Critters 2, which I love. That's, that's an Easter tradition for me. But like, <laughs> for, for like the past decade before this, he was more like a consummate observer. He was like a production assistant. Or like he worked on the set doing something just learning from all these learned directors and then I, I really disliked his masters of horror episodes. And I which, thought that, you know, Hey, we might see some good stuff here mm-hmm. and now we didn't. Okay. Yeah. Right with you guys. It, like I said, it's, 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 it's the best put together episode so far. So if I gave no more Mr. Nice, no more Mr. Nice guy, I uh, fuck the prime time bitch. This is getting one as well. Uh, great, great direction on a TV budget from Mick Garris. Uh, Frumpy Lori Petty doing, try attempting to do comedy, but making me laugh while she's grinding on her dude all undead and stuff. You know that that's a, cause she just looks so bored. But he's like, yeah, I'm getting fucked by a ghost. This ain't not bad. And uh, <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, fuck the prime time bitch here too. I think we'll break here. Maybe put a little song in here and uh, come back with the next episode, which uh. 
we're gonna get sexy, y'all, because there's a certain scene in this episode that I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about intuitively, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll be back right after this. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line, engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Few burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. All alone in a time of need. Because he's racing and pacing and plotting the course. He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse. He's going the distance. No wine, he's haunted by something he cannot define. Bowel shaking earthquakes of doubt and remorse assail him, impale him with monster truck force. In his mind, he's still driving, still making the grade. She's hoping in time that her memories will fade. Cause he's racing and pacing and plotting the course. He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's striving and driving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. Cause he's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. next episode is called Freddy's Tricks and Treats which premiered October 29th 1988 which is uh you know their Halloween episode I guess kind of <laughs> kind of yes yeah. it has Halloween themes to it uh this is directed Vaguely. by Ken Ken well, no, Ken Wiederhorn who uh you guys may know if, if you guys like it like I do the not as good, but still serviceable. Return of the Living Dead Part Two. He directed that, I know for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, your plot synopsis for this one is a college student played by Mariska Hargitay, uh, Olivia Benson herself from Law and Order Special Victims Unit. So I'll probably be calling her Benson through most of this episode, this segment, just because. Is tormented by Freddy after he hears that she does not believe in him. 
that's like a really shitty plot synopsis, considering all this, all the the texture and as long as this goes on, you know. But I'm gonna start with Sue and uh, ask her what she thought about this episode. Okay, this episode is about one thing and one thing only. That, She's that, that, frigid. That window scene. She's frigid. Okay, this is like an old '60s term that most people know what it means. Her grandmother had her so terrified of sex that how would you go away? You're distracting me. <laughs> and she's so tied up in knots about her boyfriend, apparently, that she never really got to do anything with. Her grandmother walking in and having a heart attack that she wants nothing to do with any male whatsoever. And once again, this is just me, maybe I've seen it too many times. And then it, we just go into this whole dream sequence that has nothing to do with anything. It really is fucking pointless. I can't stand this episode. I think it's kind of pointless. If you're going to do Halloween, do Halloween. This entire episode was about this chick being frigid. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm sure I'm going to find something else to pick at, but I'm leaving it there. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm disappointed right off the bat because it's uh, called Freddy's Tricks and Treats, and the, and I was about to say the movie. The episode opens with like the Halloween dance, so I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna get at least like a Halloween episode out of this, but that lasts all of like a scene, and then kind of like the Halloween festivities are over. So it wasn't really a Halloween episode, if you ask me. And then, I mean, I guess the strength of this episode is the fact that Freddy as a character is actually in it, not just the anthology host. Uh, we get we get a, a nice pun out of him when the <laughs> grandma has a heart attack and she pulls the face off and he's like, how's that for a facelift? So kind of the... This is this is definitely the Freddy Pun era, so that's good. Um, and then the whole sleep testing, um, I don't know. It feels like it kind of goes on and on. Like once they start that portion of the episode, it just feels like there's too much of it before we get the resolution. It just keeps like repeating the same sequence over and over. I did think like the scene when the the guy takes her down to like the boiler room. I did like the setting and I thought it was kind of creepy. So you do get kind of some classic nightmare on Elm street set design here, which is cool, but I don't know. I, I thought the story in this one was just a bit boring for me. Oh, I kept, I watched it when I got home from work today and I swear every five minutes I kept hitting the disc menu to see how much longer I had left. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I should be almost over. I've got 30 minutes left. I just, this is, a, it's a dull, drab, and boring episode that, I, I, who the fuck wrote this? The dudes it's, were awful, too. Like, they're acting. Everybody was horrible. He's like, I'll, Even, I'll go into the dream with you. Well, I was just like, oh, God. Spare me. <laughs> it, was, it was just taking tropes from, like, better movies that were in the series. You know, like she could pull him into the dream. Yeah, it was you know. it was straight up. They were trying to rip off Dream Warriors, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not even a wry attempt at it. 
it was so excruciatingly poorly done. It's fucking painful. And it, it it's called Freddy's Tricks and Treats, and you open up with a high school dance where everyone's in costume. You can't do something more interesting with that. <laughs> and if you're going to have Freddy in the episode, like, let him go on a killing spree for an episode or something easy. It doesn't seem like that complicated, and they totally go away from that so quick. Yeah, these, like I said, in, in, once again, our act A and our act one and act two, there is no mesh. It's just she's frigid. She's having a breakdown. Okay, dream study. Yeah, the dream study stuff. That that's that was a weird turn for this episode because I, I kind of like I kind of like the way it started out. It was it was working for me that she was like you said this this frigid woman Suzanne. You know she don't want no sex and she got to wash her hands profusely. Uh, is alone. What well, choosing to be alone to to study for her anatomy final on Halloween. So she goes to, to the, the the cadaver lab there to, to work on the body, I guess, to study, I guess. And stuff starts to happen at, at this at this uh this medical center. And that would have been a great idea for, for like a thirty minute episode. But again, these are forty five minute episodes, so they had to take this whole thing to her. And when that arc ended, they had to have which probably the the best scene for, for dudes in any of these episodes. There's a scene, people. Where she starts to remove her clothes and begin to touch herself, you know, <laughs> as, as much as TV will allow. Of course, yeah. it's, it's still pretty hot, though. I I I love this era of TV because it's always interesting to like go back and watch because this is a this show. It was probably no, you know, everyone probably got it at a slightly different time or day or night Mm -hmm. but it probably in generally in general aired you know nine o'clock or ten o'clock hour and it's always interesting to see like how risky or risque they could push things with with it being like network tv so like you get get a lot of implied stuff (laughs) no it was a lot more suggestive Mm -hmm. you know now there are no bounds Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it, 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 that era is interesting, especially you know you're, this is also the same era as NYPD Blue, and it's like everybody saw a butt and freaked out. But to, to be fair, it, it was it was uh, what's his name, Sipowitz, uh Damn. Oh, oh oh god, David Caruso. David not not David Caruso. The the, the chunky oh, oh, one. Oh oh oh, Dennis France. Dennis you France. Dennis France ass. Yes, you get to see that ass. That's kind of gross. But uh, but like I said, the era was. You know, a lot of the lines were being blurred at that point. This is not gross, though. This this is kind of hot. But then it leads to the unfortunate second part of this episode, the second half, in which two dudes are blankly looking at her outside the window, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you find out that these guys are doctors in the, in the part of her, the sleep study because she cannot figure out these nightmares that she's having. And they, they, figure, uh, they figure out a way. This is kind of stupid. How to well, I guess it's not very stupid. Just the science of it is really stupid. That they're gonna figure out a way to record her nightmares, like for video. And the better the resolution of the picture is, the better the machine is working. So, mm-hmm. the, the, and didn't they say like? Didn't they say like the more intense the dream is? More, more intense yeah. the dream is. Yeah. So essentially, they're pushing her to the edge with this Freddy thing, which works in a way, but not in the way they're doing it because it's just really dull. It's just really dull. It is. I mean, I'm a. I love a. I love taking a shred of quack science, and expanding on it, mm-hmm. but this is just not done well. 
You know who does this real well? Bad Dreams. The movie Bad Dreams does this Bad real Dreams well. does it well, but, you know, hey, I'm Argeno fan, so I gotta go to Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Well, I've never <laughs> seen that before, because, you know, I feel about that Guinea cinema. I, I should give it a watch, I guess, though, huh? <laughs> I arg at you, Gary. <laughs> and am, am I mistaken, or at the close to the end of the episode, did... Did Freddie say put that in your VCR and suck it, or did I? Yes, he did say put that in your VCR and suck it. Like, I was like, "What the hell does that even mean?" Out loud. <laughs> but he he is one of the shining points of this episode because you, you get a lot of Freddie in this episode doing stuff. Yeah, He's yeah, coming I know, alive as the grandmother. Like good, Freddy, it was eye rolling, Freddie. It's like, oh Jesus, what's yeah, the next line? You get a lot of it though. This was the point where he was coming up with the stupid puns for movies, so you kind of expect them to be. A little bit more hokey. You're not gonna get, you're not gonna get A-list stuff out of his out of his his, his gob for this episode, you know, or any episode of the series. It's nah, gonna be a lot. Of, yeah. gonna be a lot of short short puns. And I, I loved when he came alive as the grandmother. That was kind of hilarious. And um, I was gonna ask you guys. That was the high point. Yeah, I think that sequence was probably the high point. I was gonna ask you guys your opinion on this. Do you think that? For this show, they had Robert England like film like multiple episodes worth of segments because at once because I can't imagine him going through all that makeup for like two minutes of an episode. <laughs> for the ones that he's not in all the way, yeah, I'd imagine they they he he filmed a lot of the little interstitials all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Because yeah, I was I was thinking about it like. Man, that would suck to have to like go through what an eight-hour makeup session to like mm-hmm. film a scene, and then they're like, "All right, we're done." So I'm, I'm kind of torn on this episode because I'm really, I really enjoy certain aspects of it, but certain aspects don't really come together too well. Like the end of the very end of the episode, which is she she they figure out that you know she's got claw marks on her clothes, so she can literally come out of the dream and. Apparently, she realizes for no reason that she could bring people into the dream, and that's how the one doctor dies at the end of this episode. So you'd imagine that she's fucked too, as far as you know, she's not going to live through this. And but I, I'm really torn because I, I I like certain aspects of the second half, but in the end, they don't really work. Well, and it feels like, like this one this one ends without a real resolution because the one dude dies. But it's like, okay, well, what's going to happen with her going forward? Well, she's going to die, obviously. Cause it, I mean, that's what you assume. But You have to, you have to assume that she's going to die, too, yeah. It just... The episode just kind of stops. There's no resolution whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You just have to, I mean, obviously you would think she would die or is going to die because she, she's having nightmares about Freddy, but it's like, why not just kill her off at the end too? Like in the, in the same scene, he dies, and then that would have just given it the resolution. There's certain parts of like I, I like the tricks parts of this. Like, um, there's the part where she puts on like the she's forced to wear the pumpkin mask in her nightmare, and like she's she can get like flesh away from it or something. That was pretty neat. Uh, the stupidness of the the sheet metal Freddy, you know, waving Freddy in, in the boiler room. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, yeah, just, yeah, because you see the shadow of him, and you'd imagine like that's just really Robert Emily just like doing like a little dance like in the back there, just got a shadow of her. But then you find it's like it's like sheet metal with a hat on it that says "boo" on it, <laughs> and uh, little silly stuff. That that was the, the trick stuff was fun, 
but uh, all in all, it's it's really. And I'll tell you in my rating what I thought about it. But I'm gonna ask Suzanne anything else that she'd like to say about the episode, and uh, yeah, give her a rating. Oh, why not? Huh? And uh, this one, there was some potential involved here, but it just seemed like everything went completely out the window, and it just turned into this just this coagulated mess. You know, you had a few parts that gelled in. The rest of it was just filler. I hate this episode. I really, really despise it. I just, maybe in more capable hands, it would have been a little bit more cohesive. I can't stand it. I think it's a terrible episode, and I think it's a waste of time. So, yeah, this is definitely the flaming dog piss resurrection right now. Okay. Michael? Um, I was going to give it a flaming piss dog resurrection, but Mr. Gary Hill, you talked me into what is it? Keep it in the boiler room. Is that that the right wording? Yeah. So I'll go middle of the road. There's despite overall thinking this is kind of a disjointed mess of an episode. I think there are some fun things about it and it's hard to hate too much on an episode where we actually get Freddie in it. So I'll give it the middle rating. Cool. Yeah, I, I think that I think among uh, with further analysis of this episode for me, and I, I think that there's a lot going on in it. It just doesn't come together all that well. But I'm I'm with Mike. I'm gonna keep it in the boiler, uh, right, right in the middle. Um, I think it deserves further analysis. I'm, I'm gonna watch it again, probably before the next show, just just to give it another watch and. See if I'm uh, correct on my views or not. At least, at least in my head, I, I I thought it was not not very serviceable, but serviceable as an episode, and uh, I, I I'd watch it again, mostly for that uh, that window scene, man. <laughs> as New would say, the pants are coming off, man. <laughs> That's hot. But uh, yeah, we're right back to close out the show. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Well, folks, that's another episode of the books. Uh, next up on the next episode, I think I Josh James for sure from, from the Hard to Kill podcast, and I'm sure he does a couple other things. 
wants to wants to join us for one of these. I'm not sure if he'll be or not, or maybe we'll have somebody else. I don't know. But uh, I know I know Venom's down to come on. I just got to give him notice because I I hit him up like two days ago, <laughs> and but uh, I'll I'm sure I'll get him for an episode sometime. Yeah, but he's always welcome. But uh, the next one coming up is one called Judy Miller. Come on down. Which I, I remember is, is awful. I, I think it's <laughs> that's definitely going to be not very good. And uh, Saturday Night Special is, uh, this is the one after that one, which sounds kind of mediocre too. So we're in for some treats, people. I'm so excited to watch these next two episodes. Oh my god! Yay! Yay! Mike, uh, what you got coming up, sir? Well, we just recorded a new episode of Theme Warriors that. Probably, if you're listening to this episode, that that episode of Theme Warriors would be available. And the theme for that episode was movies based on songs. Nice. Um, and then we just recorded the latest episode of No More Room in Hell, which I'm going to assume will be done. It, it's in the can. I just haven't done all the editing and stuff on it yet. But it'll be out soon. And the movies for that is or are the Polanski Apartment Trilogy. So talk about those movies and some other stuff gets discussed in the episode. So if the, if that all sounds interesting, go check them out. Or as Nudie says about Rosemary's Baby, that one where that woman eats the yogurt all the time. Uh, that's all that happens. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Oh, Nudie. Nudie, Nudie, Nudie. Suzanne. Ah, you can find me on the NFW podcast. Speaking of beauty, we are starting our spring break run. Spring break. And I do believe it's either about to drop or it may have dropped a day or two ago. And that would be spring break massacre. So oh, in that's, that's some trash. Yeah. <laughs> trust me, you will enjoy our commentary way more than the movie. That film is filled with bad exposition and sad boobs. No, very in, sad boobs in spades. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. By the way, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to hear Douglas Tilly's uh, talks on the. I'm sure what's a terrible Copacabana movie. I just. Oh. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. It's. Uh, <laughs> I know Doug's gonna lose it. I can't wait. But uh, yeah. Oh yeah. We, that's another person we got to get on here sometime. Because I, I, I was. I, I, I always talk to the. The flight yeah. stuff uh, uh, episodes. I'm really digging those. The I always, flight I, podcast. I always talk them into like Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters. So this is really no different here. So, oh, get that get that Canadian uh, connection about these episodes. You know, <laughs> for sure. Let, let me let me tell them <laughs> let me tell them sorry in advance because you know some of these are pretty bad. Yo, you know. Oh, he knows if I come calling, it's probably for something horrible. <laughs> Yeah, this show uh, can be found on the Cinema Beef feed with Cinema Beef Podcast. Uh, I didn't get an episode in last week. I'm not too upset about that, though. Everybody needs a break every now and again. But I um, am in the process of remastering some of the old episodes to put them on the feed. So this was back when I, I didn't know how to edit. So I'm trying to fix some of the mistakes that I made in the episodes so they don't sound so terrible. You just get my wooden talking in the first couple episodes, and that's kind of shitty. There we go. <laughs> Oh, it's awful. I listened back. I was like, I want to kill myself to listen to this right now. I'm going to put it on the feed, though, anyway. Uh, two drink minimum commentaries should be coming back soon. I don't know to what capacity. We'll see what happens. Not that I'm bored with it. It's just, it's, 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 it's just, uh, it's one of the, it's a process. Let's put it that way. 
Um, Kevin Arnold thing hasn't happened yet, but it's happening soon. I'm, I'm working out the inner workings of what the show is going to be and, like, how to rate the episodes and all that good stuff is, is, is coming. So thank you for being patient. Uh, Twitter, GW, Twitter, at Cast. And uh, that's about it for this one. Um, I speak for myself and Mike and Suzanne. Well, I said thanks for listening and we'll see you all next time in the Boiler Room. <laughs> Shine